The legend of Troy Pottinger returns to the Western Huntsman. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman coming at you from the Broken Tines studio in Hayden, Idaho. Glad you guys have tuned in, man. I uh, appreciate you guys being here. I uh, got a great episode for you today with a return guest, Troy Pottinger. We'll get into that in just a minute. Um, I'd like to uh, just thank again our our sponsors on the show, our partners. Uh, we're, we're pretty proud to uh, partner with these guys. And I just wanted to give them a quick shout out here in the intro. Uh, Scree Extreme Mountain Gear. Uh, guys, it's great technical hunting gear. Uh, if you're in the market for that, I've got a promo code that'll save you some money. And uh, get that camo. Get that camo ready, guys. They have great bundles for you. So, And uh, I'd like to also thank Phelps Game Calls, the call company of the Western Huntsman. And I have got a whole pile of Phelps Calls lined up because it's September. In fact, if you're listening to this, I am actually recording this several days before it's released because uh, as you're listening to this now, I am hunting and I've definitely got a pile of uh, Phelps game calls in my pack, in my pocket, everything else. And lastly, uh, but not leastly, if that's a word, (laughs) um, I'd like to uh, send a shout out to Hoffman Boots. Uh, Hoffman Boots, uh, they are going to be carrying me up and down the mountain this season, and I am uh, super proud to to partner with those guys. Uh, promo codes are all in the show notes. In fact, with Hoffman Boots, uh, I think by the time you're listening to this, I'll probably be hunt, hunting with Jim Hoffman, one of the uh, uh, the owners of, of Hoffman Boots. It's a great Idaho company, and he's going to be meeting me up on the mountain. We're going out for a day or two and, and uh, going to see if we can't get an elk down. So, Thanks to all all the sponsors and the and the partners on this show. We uh, couldn't do it without you. We appreciate that. So, um, all right, guys, let's talk about this youth sponsor, or I'm sorry, not youth sponsor, the the youth essay contest we've been having. And um, I want to first of all, to everybody that submitted an essay, thank you. Uh, I was humbled and uh, my my spirits were lifted by reading through all of these essays. They were all fantastic. The decision to make or or uh, choose winners is is going to be a super tough one. You guys have no idea. You know what I wasn't thinking about, and this this is kind of an unfortunate part is we're so we're we're in September now, and and the the folks that I'm coordinating with the scholarships for the uh, the, the prizes. Well, they're all elk hunting right now, so it's gonna it's gonna be a while, guys. I apologize about that, but I do want to kind of make um, kind of start getting this formalized and finalized here because we we did have so I I guess to back that up, I got more entries than I was expecting, so it's taking it, it took a while to get through all of them. Uh, they, and like I said, they were all great. Uh, you guys did a great job. I was 
Um, you know, it, it's just, it's good to read what is on the minds of our youth hunters out there. And, and, uh, there, it sounds like to me from reading through these essays, we got a lot of promise for the future of hunting and that makes me really, really happy. So, uh, thanks again for sending those in. So what I've done, we got a bunch of them. Okay. And I've read through every last one of them. It, the, the decision to come up with a winner is is really, really hard. I don't quite know how I'm going to do it yet. Uh, but I do, I, what I did do is I kind of took like the top eight essays and, and they're in like a final round right now. Okay. So I printed off all those essays. There's, there's eight of them that kind of made the final, um, the, the, the final round. And, and what's going to happen is now those essays are going to go under the watchful eye, the scrutiny of Mrs. The Western Huntsman. So my wife, Nicole, is going to uh, go ahead and go through them, and she's going to give me her input on them, and um, it's going to help me kind of come to a decision as to as to who won these. But before we do that, I want, I, I'd like to announce those top eight names, uh, the, the people that are in the final round, the you youth hunters that are in the final round here, I'm going to announce your names right now because, uh, I was super impressed. What really, what really made a big difference for these eight essays is some of the points that they made were less selfish, selfish reasons for hunting and more, um, community oriented in a, in a way of, of what's going to make hunting better. Does that make sense? Uh, I hope I explained that right. And, and not that any of the essays were necessarily a selfish essay or, or anything like that. So don't, don't take that wrong. But, but what these essays did is they articulated very specific things about how, they're going to contribute to the betterment of hunting altogether in in a in a greater way, something greater than themselves. They see hunting as you know uh, like a way of life and and uh, a lifestyle that that needs to be uh, protected by hunters in a way that shines positive light on us uh, going forward in the future. And so that's kind of what got these essays into the top eight. Uh, and now we're going to boil it down and we're going to have three winners. And remember the three the three winners. Winners, um, we have a scholarship to the Elk Collective that was given to us essentially by by Dirk Durham, Jason Phelps, uh, all the guys over at the the Elk Collective. It's a, it's a great group of people, uh, and, and there is so much information on this website, the Elk Collective. This thing is normally uh, just about $120 to get involved, and so this is a this is a fantastic scholarship to have. So the Elk Collective is is going to be one of the prizes. And another prize is going to be a, a personal one-on-one elk calling lesson by Michael Batith. Or, geez, did I say his name right or what? <laughs> Michael Batiste. Uh Sorry, Michael. Anyways, uh, he's up he's up hunting right now anyway, so I don't even know if he'll listen to this. But um, Michael has something called the Elk Calling Academy. And... Let me tell you guys something. He does so he does private lessons, and it's going to be online on through Zoom, where you guys are going to be able to see each other and go back and forth with with this lesson. And you know, I, I it's a valuable thing. I am uh, cons- I consider myself a, a half decent elk caller, uh, a guy that can I, I know how to call in elk, right? But I would love to spend an hour with Michael Batiste and learn how to improve. So this giveaway is uh, is super super cool. And lastly, but not least, uh, Joe Gillia of Elk Bros has donated a 
uh, an entry into the Blue Collar Elk Academy. Now, this is another website, an e-course that you'll be able to, you're going to get a login information to. You're going to be able to go through all the content in there. They have like over a hundred years worth of experience, uh, all packed into this website. These are, these are great resources for you guys as youth hunters. And I'm really excited to give those away. I've also, uh, and I'm not sure how I'm going to break this down, but I have some Phelps stuff to give away. I have some stickers. I have some swag, um, some gear, and uh, a very, very cool uh, custom Skinner knife that comes with a sheath from Logan Erdman, who is uh, currently, I, th- I think he's somewhere in Colorado right now hunting elk. But anyway, he made this really, really cool knife. It's super nice, in fact. And it's one of those knives that, as a youth hunter, you could use it now. Keep it good, keep it nice, and pass it down to your children or your grandchildren. It's one of those kind of knives. It's a very special knife, and uh, Logan is just one heck of a nice a knife maker. And and I'm I'm really proud to to have this knife to be able to pass on to to one of you guys that I'm going to throw this in within the in the package. So with that said, I'm gonna I'm just gonna list all the name the the names and guys if I don't pronounce your name right I'm I'm super sorry <laughs> uh, I think I've got them all down uh, and and we're we're gonna figure this out but these are our eight finalists you guys don't have to do anything at this point this is the, you're just in the finalist round so now your essays get put in to the next round of kind of scrutiny and reading and and determining who's going to be the winner and and I'm just asking you guys to bear with us it, it is hunting season I am on the mountain off grid completely as you're listening to this so we are working on this but I promise in the next few weeks we're going to have an actual um, a list of the the three winners so um, that being said let's go through these names and uh, you guys, uh, congratulations on making the final round. It's a big deal, guys. We had a lot of entries. So if you made this final round, you did a heck of a job, and I'm proud of you. Thank you for submitting these. So here's the list. And, and they're no, in no particular order. I just kind of threw them up on my screen here. All right, are we ready? All right, let's, let's go through it. Larissa West. Hayden Allen, Arabella Stevens, Hunter Litz, Darby Sager, Hannah Gregory, Emily Gregory. Jacob Sundis. Congratulations. All right. Yeah, like I say, guys, you guys are in the final eight. Congratulations. You did a heck of a job. I loved your essays. They really brought home the point in which I was asking in these essays, and and you guys did a great job. I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of the age ranges, too. Uh, some of you uh, you 10-year-olds out there can, can uh, really put it together on paper, so I, I appreciate that. And uh, I think I think there's a uh, I'm looking at this list here. Hannah and Emily, I, they're probably related. I, I'm thinking because they came from the same place, and so they're probably uh, sisters or something. So that's that's pretty cool. And um, anyways, guys, congratulations on that. 
just stay tuned and bear with us through hunting season, guys. I will get these prizes uh, out to the winners as soon as we know who the winners are. And as soon as I'm back off the mountain and everybody else is back off the mountain, as we kind of take uh, a lot of a lot of these guys, they're, they're, they hunt like I do. Uh, September's all about elk, right? And, and for, for us, for us. And, and we're out there chasing elk. And then there's kind of this lull before deer season. So that's, that's kind of where we're going to take care of all this uh, finalist stuff. So, all right, guys, this episode... I've uh, I've got Troy Pottinger on, and if you remember back last winter, I had uh, Troy and his boys Ty and Jess on, uh, and we were talking about mountain whitetails and bass fishing and all this all this cool stuff. And it was actually a two part series because we went super long. But I I was able to convince Troy because he's super busy this time of year. He's got uh, he's already kicked off his mountain whitetail hunting. Uh, he's been posting pictures of of uh, him in a tree stand up on the mountain, and uh, I know he's going to get it done at some point. And so. Uh, Troy is a, if you don't know who Troy is, you need to check him out. Uh, on Instagram, he's mountainman33, and he's, uh, he's just a stud of a, of a whitetail killer. And, uh, he's, he's probably one of the top, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't know how, how we can even rate that, but he's, he's one of the best mountain public land whitetail hunters, uh, in the, in the world. And, and, and I, I, I mean that sincerely. He's a, he's a great guy. He's a great educator. Uh, he's the kind of guy that cares about teaching others, whether it's, uh, for, for a day job. He is, he is a teacher. He teaches eighth grade and he's a coach. Uh, and he also gets out there and just smokes monster whitetail after monster whitetail. Uh, you should see his trophy room. And you know what's impressive about it is his, uh, w- when he started collecting his trophies from hunting season and shed hunting and all this stuff, uh, somebody broke in and stole them all. And so we're talking this trophy room is even more impressive because he had to start from scratch and, and start rebuilding it. But he's uh, just a great guy. I love having him on the show. Uh, and he's just a he, he's an inspirational hunter, the kind of hunter that we should all look up to. And uh, without further ado, let's give it up for Troy and enjoy the episode. Guys, if you're out there hunting in September, um, gosh, man, good luck. I hope you get something, and if you do, send it my way. Send me a pic, and I'll, I'll post it on our stuff at jimofthewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Second time I'm sitting here rolling in the Broken Tine studio with uh, one of my one of my whitetail hunting heroes, Troy <laughs> Pottinger. How you doing, man? Good, Jim. Good. Good to be here, man. So uh, it's it's great to have you back in the studio. I, I do. You mentioned we we made a few upgrades. I got some uh, better microphones and more microphones. Yeah. Last time we were passing mics back and forth. I think the last time I was here, we had the boys, or I don't know. I've been here twice. Yeah, yeah, and it had the boys that one time, and it was fun. It was, hey, just make it work. But no, this is a good, this is sweet. I like it. It's it's a it's sweet. A, you know what the biggest upgrade is? Is I added a urinal over there, there in go. the corner. <laughs> there we go. I, it's a plastic one, man. I bought it on Amazon. Nice. No, this is a great place. This is my kind of place. We were talking about it before we got on. Yeah, it's uh, it, I, I it's love, getting comfy. I like real places. I need to chop some wood for this coming winter, though. It's How about this low. morning? <laughs> right? It's kind of chilly. I, I honestly yeah. walked outside and thought I was going to hear an elk bugle. I know. It was 45 <laughs> degrees this morning. It was 42 at my house. Was it really? Yeah. I got yeah. up at 5. Hank, my... Hank the horn dog, my antler dog, uh-huh. he got me up and he said, Dad, I got to go to the bathroom. So we went out at 5 and I just... I just felt it. I oh, was like, man. 
What a great day to go to a podcast with Jim because it's in the air. It is. It's here. I could I could it's feel changing. it. I could smell yeah. it. I could see it. It's it's right here, man. It, it's here. And by the time this is live, it's we're gonna be <laughs> we're gonna be in the mountains. Yeah. I, Sunday. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got a buck I'm sitting on Sunday. I got Sweet. a stand hung on him, and you know, and then elk rolls around a week later. Are you doing a? Are you doing the September sixth elk? Or are you going somewhere else? The sixth. Sixth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm me, going. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm I'm waiting. I'll be out. I'll be out the first two days. And I'll be back here for like a day, and then I'll be gone for like ten days. Awesome. Yeah. So, so, so where are you headed? I'm not specific, specific. You want like GPS coordinates? No, or? no, I'm good. But I'm just curious <laughs> for you. You know, ten days is awesome. Yeah, unit four. I'll unit be four. In unit four. Oh, nice. Unit, unit uh, uh, maybe I might switch to unit six after a while. Right. I that's, don't know. That's my old stomping grounds. Yeah. Four yeah. and six is where yeah. you know, and I'm out by there right now. Are you? Yeah, you're I'm, out. In, I'm literally in the. I'm. I can look out. My back door uh-huh. and see unit four and look south and see unit six and yeah. I'm in three so I'm in a nice little you you are you're yeah, kind of right in the, around, the kind, yeah kind of in the epicenter central, of all three yeah. of them yeah where I can get to all three units quick I, I I go back and forth with six man I it's like it's it's a great unit but I think it it also gets hammered with wolves and so I don't know six is a you know six is where I grew up yeah six is where I Cut my teeth on everything, including whitetail. Oh, yeah. which is what we're going to really talk about. Yeah, <laughs> and six is six is six is some big woods, mm-hmm. logging, heavy logging country, a lot of potlatch, um, but the animals are still there. They're just they're educated. They in are six. Yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, you kill a bull or a big buck or a nice bull in six, you're working. You're you got something figured out because they do get they get hunted. I heard. Uh, I heard there's some grizz moving in down there. There is in the uh, more towards the Montana border. Is there? Yeah, the more you go east, and then of course up north above us here. Yeah. But the grizz are starting to trickle. Kind of, kind of work in. their way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I might have to upgrade my firearm, man. You use a the, do you use a 10 millimeter? Yeah, I got the boys. It's funny. I, I made a post on Facebook this morning about them. Oh, boys. That's, that's one of the yeah, reasons why yeah. I'm thinking about it. My boys it. carry 45s. I carried 45 for years. That's what I've got. But I had a 10 about two decades ago. Uh-huh. And I I really like the 10. And uh, Springfield makes one that holds 15 plus one. Really? And a 10 shoots. A 10 is just, it's just, in my opinion, just a badass round. It is. Because it's got enough wop to it. Mm-hmm. That I feel good around bears, but it also you shoot at 100 yards. Oh, really? Pretty accurate. You got you got pretty good range with it. Yeah, good range. I just like how a 10 shoots. So anyway, all that to say, and I'm not a master of pistols, but I loved my Smith and Wesson 10. You know, a couple yep. decades ago. Yep. Wished I wouldn't have got rid of it. Um, got another one. Got the Springfield XD now, and it's freaking sweet. <laughs> Nicest shooting gun I've ever owned, or pistol. I need to. I need to. Yeah, I think I better look into that because I, I, I feel like the 45 is fine in most cases, but and I love the 45. Re- I, I think that 10. If I'm running into grizzlies, I, I'd just rather have right. that 10. To me, a 45 is a 454. Uh-huh. And a tens a hopped up 327 Chevy. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, for sure. You that's know, a, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that that yeah. 45 I give to the boys because that's tell them stop anything. Yeah. But that ten is kind of like a hot rod, little yeah, smaller, but man, it'll it packs a punch. Anyway, I, I think I'd 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 
throw some uh, bear spray at him. Before, you know, first just to slow him down. Yeah. And this is what uh, Bob Lagasa yeah, he, he talks to about hear what that. They said that. Yeah. yeah. He he's all about the bear spray because it'll it'll slow him down. It'll it'll either confuse him or chase him off. Right. But if nothing else, it stops him long enough to be able to get, get a good shot off. Right. Right. And right. so um, I've I've got some of that. I've got uh, well, actually I need to get new because they expire your bear spray. Yeah. And so I need to get another thing. I use that counter assault, and it's pretty good. Yep. Yeah. And I and I'm a. <laughs> I've had bears charge me. Yeah. I I'd never have time to bear spray and do both. Yeah. See, and I'm I, just gonna say I, that. Yeah. That, I'm just gonna probably, throw it out there. I, I never. It's a had, hot topic too. It's a great yeah. topic, and I've had them in my face. Like grizz or black? Blacks. Blacks. And and I think a grizzly would be just bigger and faster. Yeah, I so think so too. I've. I've Fortunately, never had a bad incident with a grizzly, but have ran into a couple, mm-hmm. but never had anything turn on me. But they, they move, black bears move so fast, it's unreal. Yeah. And a mother black bear will be in your face quicker than you can hardly get your gun out. Really? Yep. And I've told this story. I've even told it to my kids. The in my bl- class. Did you say uh, black bear? Oh, black bear. Huh. In your face. See, I've never worried about them. I always oh, run into them and they just, I, you know, they run like a liberal in a debate. There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, debate about this. Uh-huh. But black bears, in my experience in Idaho, black bears that have been hunted hard with hounds and have learned to fear humans uh-huh. usually take off. But when you're out shed hunting in the spring and you stumble across a sow and her cubs and it's not really hunting season yet and she come out of the den, yeah. that's where I've had my troubles. Now, I've never personally had to kill one, but I've had to shoot as they're, you know, and they'll call it coming, bluff, at, you. coming at me. I mean, full bore Jeez, coming man. right at me. And I... And I've never, it's funny because they've got their cubs. She's doing what she needs to be doing. Oh, I'd kill Just one in a instinct. second. I, I'd, yeah. I'd kill one in a second if I had to, mm-hmm. if I thought she was going to get a hold of me. But I've, a couple times, three times actually in my lifetime, I've had to pull out my pistol, shoot in the direction to make the noise, and that stopped her. Hmm. And that's been three different mamas, okay. three different sows. That would work. I'm you know, with that. But my point is, I don't think I'd ever have time to do both. Yeah, that's based true. on I, what I ran yeah. into. So my bear spray will always be my my pistol. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I'm I'm that's I'm where going I'm in. At. I'm, that's where I'm, I'm double fisting, man. Yeah, I'll, and I'll, I don't I'm going and, and I don't blame oh, Only in grizzly country. And yeah. I think in grizzly country, I think all of it. You know, I talked to my my buddy Jim Urban. I'll throw a shout out to Jim up in Alaska. Mm-hmm. He's hunted grizzlies forever. And I just say, Jim, what's what's the deal? He said, truly. The true best bear spray, the best bear spray there is, is a shotgun. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, he said. For sure. That's what they carry. They carry a shotgun. No question. Uh, just a for bears. Be the best. Yeah. And yeah. they load it up, and they and they said, you know, he's told me that, and you know, and I got buddies that are over in Bozeman that deal with all the bears, the, the a lot of grizzlies around Bozeman. Yeah. And they carry both. They mm-hmm. carry the the bear spray and the. And the and pistol, a gun. Yeah, yeah, and a pistol. Yeah, I think anyway. I, I'm going to upgrade that, man. I'm going to get the 10 and uh, get rid of this. But well, I won't get rid of the 45. Oh, keep it. Keep yeah. all your guns. I was. It was funny. <laughs> Don't uh, sell guns anymore. <laughs> I, I was super naive one time, and I'm I was fly fishing outside of Cody, Wyoming, which is pretty, you know, grizzly heavy heavy country. Yeah. You know what I was carrying? 22. No, <laughs> a Smith and Wesson Bodyguard 380. Okay, that's so, what my wife carries concealed, <laughs> and that's what it was for me. Right. And, and but but I'm like, oh, I'll just I'll just take my little concealed you know pistol yeah. out and yeah. and I get out that there. That just pisses them off. There's oh yeah, and and so when I'm I walk down to the river and it had rained the night before, so I'm the first one making tracks on the on the trail, right? right? 
And I, I go down there, I fish for a while, I'm down there for two or three hours, and then I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to head back to the truck. Start heading back to the truck, and there's grizzly tracks over my tracks. Oh. Followed me in, basically. Right. And um, I would have been lunch, man, with that 380. And uh, and, and so I it was I, I laugh about it now, but it scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And he, it's like the, the grizz came down and like watched. And I have pictures. I have pictures, and I I, I put my fly rod right down next to the the tracks Track. and how they were covering my tracks and yep. all this stuff. Uh, and anyways, yeah, that uh, that's where it really changed. Where this is like you know that, this is actually something you got to think about. You got a bear this last spring though, didn't you? Yeah, Kinda yeah. Nice. Did, were you baiting? Yes, I all my bear hunting in the spring is archery over bait. Uh huh. Um, and then in the fall, I'm hunting whitetails and elk, and I'll I'll shoot a fall bear, but I don't bait I'll, if I run into one or one comes by my tree stand. Mm. So I always try to have two tags. And this year okay. I bought bear tag for Washington too. So, and and you can't bait in Washington for bear, but there's so many bears in Washington. Every season when I'm whitetail hunting, I always have something come by. Or I see one, you know, driving into the woods or whatever. So I always see bear in Washington. So I bought, I got everything over the counter this year for both states. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, the thing too we need to touch base on with these pistols is the cougars are what will surprise the hell out of you. I know. The lions will. You guys are out talking to They make me more nervous than anything. I've had, Ty was sitting with me one time. We were filming Mm -hmm. and we were talking to a bull. And I said, we're going to go try to kill this bull tie and he had the camera running because mm-hmm. i was doing a little short talk on the video you know and so we're gonna go after this bull and we were listening to him and about that time i looked over and there was a damn lion staring at me and ty were you you were in a tree stand no we were you, on the ground hunting. You're on the ground ty had the camera just happened to have the camera we were filming our elk hunt and ty was probably hope i get this right 12 mm-hmm and Ty just turned. It's we have this on film. Ty turned the camera, and that lion was from here to your to your Coors Light uh, picture there, on the ground, crouched, like ready, ready, ready to, to pounce. try. You know, because we were cow calling and we were bugling, mm. so it came in on us, and you know, I just whispered to Ty like I'm gonna kill it, and I drew my bow, and mm-hmm. I swung around in front of Ty, and he leaned back, and as soon as I swung on that lion, uh huh. It took off. Oh wow! I was gonna shoot it right in the chest. Yeah, I, I, I would, I wouldn't even hesitate. Oh, man. like lions make me more. Everybody talks about grizzlies and bears and uh, wolves and all this other stuff. The, the mountain lions are what make me the most nervous. For lions sure. will get on you, and you won't even know they're there till they're on you. Yeah, exactly. You can usually hear a bear coming because mm-hmm. they're heavy, even yeah. if they're, oh. you know, even though their pads are soft. Mm-hmm. Like when I and I've killed a lot of bears and hunted a ton of bears and listened and watched. 20 times more more bears than I kill because I see the sows all the time. Yeah. I always yeah. hear them coming. Yeah. I, you know, I always pick up a twig or something. They have soft feet, but they're usually heavy enough they'll break something. Lions, never heard one. Jeez, I've always man. seen them first. Even out of a tree stand. I had a lion come by me in a stand one time, and I was going to kill it. I had a tag. Everything was cool. Um, but it picked me up the slightest movement. I went to grab my bow. And it was like 45 yards from me, and that cat, I couldn't believe it. He saw. I'm 30 feet up. Yeah, I was going to say, because you sit way high I'm, in your I, I, I'll say I'm 25 feet, you know, because mm. when I say 30, it's where I shoot from. You know, my, my arrow's leaving at 30. My feet are about 25. 25, yeah. So anyway, I'm 25 feet up. I literally move my hand one foot 
to grab my bow off my bow hanger. Uh-huh. And that lion was 45 yards away, coming right at me. And as soon as I barely moved my hand to grab that bow, 25 feet up in a tree, tons of back cover, he mm-hmm. looked right at me. Jeez, man. And just That's crazy. Lo- he saw the movement. That's crazy. You know, he saw that hand mm-hmm. move and he locked onto me. And it was a big tom yeah. that I have on camera quite a bit. He comes through periodically. That would have been cool if you could have gotten him. Oh, my gosh. It's my dream is to yeah. kill a wolf and a lion out of my tree stand. Oh, man. You know, yeah, have them come by and yeah, film just it. Come, come, come by and get him. Come yeah, by man. and have them walk by. Anyway, all that yeah. to say, he spun out and took off. Hmm. But hmm. again. The only reason I saw him at that far away is I was up. You were up in a tree stand. Yeah, I never yeah. saw him on the ground close because exactly. there was brush down below me. Anyway, just that's the thing. They're low profile. They're super quiet. The stealthiest animal in the woods. They're stealthy as hell. I've I've come. I, I've noticed them um, only because I knew there were mountain lions in the area. I, I'll, I'll look up and I'll I'll see them up in trees, right? And and they think I can't see them. And 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 I I, I always wonder like how many mountain lions have I walked under? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they're up in a tree just watching, or or off in some brush, you know, just kind of watching or whatever. So I anyway. catch him in my tracks a lot. Yeah. Like backtracking out in November in the snow. Oh, do you? And lions will cut your track and they'll mm. check you out. They'll walk it some. Um, when you're running scrapes with whitetails, they check the scrapes because they check that deer scent. Mm-hmm. So I get them in my scrapes, walking. Then they just walk by. They yeah. walk by, and I've got one stand. Ty and I call the cougar stand. We have a female lion that's been there forever. And we never see her. Huh. But she's on our camera. You get her on film or on, on the camera. And we get her on the camera. We never see her. Never see her in person. Get her on camera. And, you know, the whitetail bucks in there just disappear every now and then. Never see them again. Yeah. There's good bucks in that country where we have her. But she, I know she eats a couple a year because we'll have a, we'll lose a buck every year or two to her. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. Well, I, I'm assuming huh. it's her because she's right there checking my, she's checking my scrapes. Yeah, do you think do you think using hounds is the best way to get a mountain lion? Most like, efficient. Uh, most efficient. Absol- yeah. Absolutely. What about bear? Well, I've done really well. I mean, baiting or hounds, yes. Yeah. Because you a- have an advantage. You know, and the thing I like about baiting bear is you get to study the animal. Mm-hmm. I watch again twenty to thirty times more bears than I actually shoot, but I get to learn about them watching them, and really take the time to make a great judgment, a perfect shot. That's yeah. what that's what I like about it. Is I'm very selective. You know, I, I literally love my old sows. My mm-hmm. old sows are my they're my cash pot. Yeah. They bring the big guys in. And I always try to hunt the mature old bears that, you know, fifteen, sixteen years old or at least ten years old or older. Um but no hounds are awesome too as far as just efficiency. Mm-hmm. I've got great friends that are hardcore houndsmen, and I've got great friends that love to just hunt them the way I do. And, you know, I'm I'm a quiet guy, so I like quiet, no noise, stealthy yeah. arrows. You know, that's just yeah. how I like to hunt. <laughs> but I sure as heck like that we have that in Idaho where we can use hounds, hounds. to keep Especially our predators. Oh, for sure, to keep the predators down. Those houndsmen are, those dudes are hardcore. Mm-hmm. They're, I know. They're hardcore dudes. Yeah, it's a workout keeping up with those They're animals. things anyway. Yeah, but you, look my, at, you look at places like Washington and California where you can't run hounds or, or Oregon. Yeah. Uh, I, well, at Oregon, I'm not sure. I don't know I, about Oregon, I, but I, I know, know in about. Washington that the bears act different. Yeah. And the lions act ignorant. They'll yeah. walk right up on you. Yeah, I know. 
I mm-hmm. literally had to throw sticks at a lion one time because I was a jackass and left my pistol in the pickup checking a camera. Well, it always seems like that's where the, the like humor, human interactions with mountain lion. Like a mountain lion takes out a, a guy on a bike uh, not very long ago. You yeah, know, and, on a, on a, you know, we got everybody in the woods on bicycles now mm-hmm. and trails. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. if they don't have a preconceived uh, st- negative stimulus towards humans, which they don't in Washington, yeah, because they don't get hound hunted, they rarely even get seen or hunted. They just they, they roll right in on you, and I've and I've experienced it. I've had them literally just walk right at me. Mm-hmm. Idaho, no, they see they, you make eye contact with the lion, and once it once it usually you know once it figures out you're a human. This has been my experience. They usually take off. Yeah, yeah. But man, we've had them so close; it's pretty eerie. It's it's an interesting the the other the, because if you listen to like Dr. Valerius Geist talks about that exact thing that you just said that the animals having a fear of humans is exactly why in North America the wolves are so elusive and and uh, they avoid humans, right? It be, it's because us and Native Americans have have been hunting and pursuing wolves. Uh, for for you know, like thousands of years we're talking. Yeah. Where in Russia they haven't, and so that's why in like like Russia you get you get all these wolf attacks, these these human interactions. There's a there's a big difference in how essentially they're managed. And so uh, I always like that topic. That, that one I, I always get excited about talking about that kind of stuff. But we need to talk about whitetails, man. All right, let's roll. Okay. I don't know if you guys know this yet. But hunting season is knocking on our door. In fact, some states it's already even open. I'm, I'm seeing pictures on social media. It's coming, guys. Have you gotten your Scree gear? Scree is extreme mountain gear that is designed for rugged western hunting like we talk about on this show all the time. Complete layering system for all terrain and all conditions. Gear designed to adapt to the weather. Rugged gear backed by a lifetime warranty. The VIP sizing and exchange program is amazing. If you get the wrong size in the mail or something's not right, you send it back for free. They they send you the mailing slip for it and take care of everything. Guys, this is great gear. I've been running Scree for a long time now and I really, really like it. It's a great company story. Uh, The owner is real big on having high-performance technical hunting apparel at a responsible price, and that's what you're going to get with Scree. You know how it goes. You can go drop a small fortune on on some of this gear out there, right? And we all love to have it. I love having this gear. But with Scree, you're going to get the high-performance gear. You're going to get everything that you would expect on a high-performance kind of company like this uh, with with the gear you're going to get but you're not going to break the bank. You don't need to sell your kids. You don't need to take out a second mortgage. Just get you some scree gear. And at checkout, go ahead and use the promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping. That's a smoking deal. And Huntsman is spelled H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N. A is in Apple. The Western Huntsman at checkout with scree gear. You should check out the elk bundle they have. It's pretty spectacular. Hope you guys check it out. I appreciate you supporting our sponsors. And our other sponsor is Phelps Game Calls. Guys, the the premier call company. Everybody knows Phelps. We all love Phelps. If you're not using Phelps Game Calls, you're not doing it right. <laughs> okay. No, I'm serious, guys. Phelps is, is a company that was born out of 
this uh, great American success story that started something small and it turned into this big company that everybody knows now. I use Phelps for, for my elk calls. I use Phelps for, for predator calls. They've got some new deer calls coming out. It's going to be great. So I use the AMP series for the elk. You guys know September's on its way. Or it could possibly be here by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? But September's on its way. My favorite time of year. Better than Christmas. Better than anything. September, man. Get your amp calls. I really like the Maverick and the Black Amp. Those two are screaming reeds. And uh, there's a a bunch of other reeds for different types of of pallets, if you will. Or uh, the way that you use a call, it might change. So you got to try a little bit of everything. And uh, the the pink call is fantastic. Uh, But uh, personally, I like that Black Amp, that Maverick reed. Uh, those two are kind of my go-tos when it comes to calling in elk, and boy, do they work. Uh, again, check out. Guys, Phelps has given us a, um, a promo code to use. It is Huntsman10, H-U-N-T-S-M-A-N, 10, number 10. So you'll get 10% off at checkout. Go to phelps.com and check it out. It's going to be in the show notes. And lastly, just just as a bonus promo code for you guys that are in the market for a new set of boots, I love the Explorers from Hoffman Boots. They are badass boots. They will get you up the mountain. They will get you down the mountain for several seasons. Check them out. The promo code for Hoffman Boots is HUNTSMAN15. HUNTSMAN is all caps lock. H-U-N-T-S-M-E-N 15. Go ahead and check that out. It'll be in the show notes and uh, get you some new boots and, and let me know what you think. Thanks, guys. Here we go. Let's get back into it. So for anybody, if you guys don't remember, I had uh, Troy um, Troy on last, uh, gosh, that was like February. It was There was a bunch of snow outside. I've been on so many podcasts that I can't remember. <laughs> It was it was February. Was I'm pretty it? sure. Was it February? Okay. Pretty sure. So you you came on and you brought uh, Jess and Ty Lots and the boys. and uh, the boys came in and we talked a uh, little mountain whitetail. We talked fishing. We talked all sorts of stuff. And so what the idea with this one was is I thought you know let's let's give somebody uh, everybody that's that's planning on heading out into the mountains to chase whitetail this year kind of like a foundational. Um, you know, how to plan for it and, and, and kind of some just basic strategy stuff. Obviously, you've got your whitetail boot camp going on tomorrow, huh? Yeah. How yeah. does that go? How does that play out? Um, every year I hold a boot camp. Uh, it's a one-day. I keep the numbers down, 10 to 12 guys, guys and gals, whoever, you know. And, and uh, I do a basically an all-day class on my, I guess, my uh, – I don't really want to call it a program, but the, my approach to how I hunt these whitetails in the mountains. And I start from the day after Christmas with my group mm-hmm. and I work them through the, the winter, the shed hunting, the backtracking, the scouting in the snow. And then I roll into spring and summer trail cams, uh, getting everything out, getting them figured out, patterned all through the summer. Um, and then I take them through month by month how to hunt these bucks differently based on their biological needs, September needs, October, November, December. And all my stuff's based on archery. So the guys that are the that are the rifle hunters, I feel like they get a lot out of it too because they don't even have to get as close as I do to make it happen. Sure. They, they can sit back even a little further, have a little more, um, there's a little more uh, leeway there for them. So I get all kinds of hunters. I get, like I got, I think I have 12 guys coming tomorrow. 
mm-hmm. and one of them's a teenager, and I like getting those. The dad's bringing his son, you know. So I get everything from a brand new hunter to guys that are pretty dang experienced and have done well with whiteies, and they're just looking maybe for that one more step or something that maybe they're missing out on that they can use in their arsenal to be more efficient. Which and, is right up your alley too, because you're a high school teacher, right? I. High school and middle school. I'm I'm a middle school teacher now. I did high school in the first part of my career, and and I won't go off on this too long. But I swore I'd never teach middle school. Well, guess what I'm teaching? <laughs> middle school. And, and I and I love it. I love eighth graders. Do you? Yeah. I I I found a niche with eighth graders that I had no idea about until I got thrown into the fire with eighth grade, and I just found that it's a very pivotal, impactful time in their life at yeah. eighth grade age where I really feel like I can still make a pretty impressionable difference with that yeah. age group. And you've got, you've got that. Uh, I, I never had any teachers like you when I was in eighth. My teachers were, I won't talk negatively, but I didn't have any cool eighth grade teachers. You know, and, and I remember eighth grade and, and you are really good at making an impression, especially on these younger guys, uh, these younger kids that, that I, I feel like you're going to be one of those teachers that they're going to always remember. You know how you always have that teacher or two growing up that you always remember? I remember my band teacher from middle school. Like he could have been my grandpa. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, it was it just the, these, they, they stick out. And I feel like you've got that kind of impression you're leaving on those kids. Those kids. I keep wanting to say guys, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, kids. I, I coach girls. Yeah. yeah uh, on I, basketball. I, or yeah. Whatever. I coach, you know, and I. <laughs> I was a football guy, mm-hmm. but had to get out of it because of my archery pursuits and dreams when yeah. I was young. So, yeah. and I was successful and enjoyed it. But um, no, to to just touch base on that real quick, that eighth grade level, it, guys and boys and girls both, um, it's just a really cool level because those kids are wanting to grow up. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to get it figured out. They're kind of sick of the. Sixth and seventh grade, little bit of drama, you know, and it's mm-hmm. a, it's a biological thing with kids that that younger that the hormones are ramped up and stuff's sure. happening. So you get them in that eighth grade level before they go to high school and they're starting to get it figured out. And for me, I just have a simple mindset with kids. I want to be that teacher for them that they know is very transparent, real, but also truly cares about every one of them. Yeah. And that's what's important to me. Mm-hmm. That's what I care about as a teacher. They know that I I know their name and I actually care about their day. You actually care. I care about their day. Academics is important, but guess what? Character, work ethic, mm-hmm. all of those things are just as important. So so those are the things I focus on and I teach health classes. So I get to talk about that real life, those real life applications. Anyway, do you ever do you ever talk about hunting with uh, oh, in yeah. class? Oh yeah. Oh gosh, we live in North Idaho. It's awesome. That's great. The man. kids, the kids. You know, I wear camo to school. Oh, do you really? Oh heck yeah. <laughs> That's you know, fantastic. I, you bet I do. You know, I, I, I never had. Well, I had a cool. I had a principal come out. <laughs> just be real, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just be as yeah, real be, as I, I can. I agree, man. And, you know, and these, I feel like that's one thing that happens with a lot of. Uh, sometimes teachers are they're the, like kids will. They'll pick up on phoniness oh, quicker than an adult. I'll though, tell you right? what, if you're if you're trying to become a teacher uh-huh. and you try to put on an act, you're dead in the water. They they will sniff you out, right? Oh, not only that, they won't listen to a word you have to say. Hmm. You better be real and honest and care about them and also have some uh, discipline and some standards because kids want some structure. Mm-hmm. They agree. don't want to roll into a class and have it be a zoo. 
Exactly. You know, kids makes them uncomfortable. Yeah, they're not comfortable there. They they want to feel they want to feel secure, they want to feel cared for, and they want to learn something. Mm-hmm. So you better have you know good curriculum too, and you better be able to teach it in a way that kids can understand it and actually apply it to real life. Yeah. So that's kind of my approach. I think I think you're like a perfect example of, of what a good asset to a public school teacher is. You know what I mean? That that's, we need more people like you in front of these kids. We, we just, yeah. And there's a lot of good ones out there. Oh, I know that don't get the recognition because everything in the world nowadays is the bad apple seed gets mm-hmm. all the attention. Exactly. It's just like the police situation oh. going on. You know, there's, yeah, some of the best people like, in the world are cops. Yeah. In exactly. the world. One of my best friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh no, and the best guys in the, the world. These are salt yeah. of the earth kind of people. Salt they, of the they, earth. They don't do it because they pay them $150,000 a year. Toughest right? job I mean, there is is being a cop in the yeah, United States it, of America right now. I know. And and it's it's always like when I was in the Marine Corps, I think it was uh, our, our our battalion sergeant major or something. He he would always talk about Marines. There's always, there's always and I can't remember if it was 1% or 10%. There's always a 1%. That is going to shit on the rest of us and make us all look bad. Yeah. And that that happened when uh, there was a couple of Marines out of Camp Pendleton that went out and shot some wild horses uh, illegally in in California about the time I was getting to battalion. Yep. And and that that was that was what the news reported. That's the media. It was for two you. Marines yeah. that went out and poached yeah. horses. It wasn't yeah. two young guys. You know, it was it was all about the Marine Corps. And that's the same thing that's happening with these with these police. These bad apples. Uh, shed a whole light, and, and now everybody, you know, this defund the police BS. Uh, oh, man, uh, am I going down a rabbit hole? Yeah, and it's okay, but we do have a limited time. <laughs> oh, that's today. right. Okay, we better talk about <laughs> no, deer. No, I, I agree with you, though. I'm with you, and it's it's ignorant. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of it, man. I'm yeah. fed up with the, so all I see on the last, social media, The last too. thing I want to share is being a teacher that I try to teach kids, more importantly than anything, teach, or I, I talk to kids all the time about this. Think for yourself. Mm-hmm. Do not allow, especially with today's social media and media in their face all the time and instant. They have instant stuff being put in their mind constantly mm-hmm. just on their phones. I always talk to, about, to kids about think for yourself. Stop and process things. Think it through. Don't just jump on a bandwagon if you don't know what the hell it's about. Mm-hmm. Anyway. No, that's there. great. That's you know, great, man. That's yourself. the kind of stuff. You know, I, that's the kind of stuff we need. Our, you, you've met my boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got great boys. And then they're just like our society would be a lot better if if more because uh, your boys are – what is Ty? He's going to be 18 this year? He's 17. He's 17 now. Senior. And so Jess is senior, 19. And Jess is, is 19, almost 20. Yep. And and that that age group, if we had if we had more kids in that age group that behaved like, like your boys do um, – our society would be a much better place. They, they They're respectful. Re- like yes. a lot of kids that age are not respectful. And D and I, my wife and I demanded it. Mm-hmm. Respectful, but they think for themselves. Yeah. They will even talk to D and I, my wife and I. They'll they'll they have their opinions, but they've learned how to do it respectfully. Yeah. You know, and well, and, and we want them to have the opinions. Right? Oh yeah, I love them, it. We don't want a bunch of sheep. Yeah, I, you but, know, Jess goes to college, and like he said, you know, the majority of the professors are hardcore liberals. Oh, I didn't. And he's not one bit afraid, in a respectful way, to question them and to stand up for just solid character values. Yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah, right, we no, better talk abs- some deer. Absolutely. Okay, we talk deer. A little deer. So <laughs> this is why I like having you in, man. We we have good conversations. And that's what it should be about. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just it's just banter, and and we're gonna we're gonna talk hunting, but yep. we it's good to get some banter out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really enjoy it. I I like what you're doing here, Jim, and it's great for our community. It's great for the hunting world. Um, it's you're doing it for all the right reasons. I appreciate that. Yep. I appreciate that. Um, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. It's been a lot of fun too, though. So. I get to meet cool dudes like you, man. <laughs> I get to meet cool dudes like you. I've had. I don't um, think I've ever done a podcast at eight o'clock in the morning like this. Well, you it's kind of cool. I, I got stuff to do today. I know. Me too. Well, I got it. Was, a, it was I, perfect because when you first said <laughs> Friday, I'm like, oh, Friday's out. But it, but then you're like eight o'clock. I'm like, oh man, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you know, idea. coffee. Come coffee, on, coffee and a podcast, kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Co- I like coffee it. with Jim and Troy this morning. That's that's <laughs> right. So uh, I, I think that's a that's a good segment or something. So I want to talk about when we're when we're talking on the deer topic whitetail yeah. uh and so you guys know that what we're not talking we're not talking like your average whitetail conversation we're talking about mountain whitetails on public land right. which is what we hunt out here in the west and uh i want to i want to discuss like what is the first of all what's your favorite month out of all three of those that you may well you mentioned december as well so wow. we're talking september october November, it's, December. This is going to be kind of deep, but for me, because I hunt individual bucks and I get to know them very well and I leave them alone till they get older, it's based on that buck's personality. So whatever he gives me as far as a chink in his armor. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I can't say one month over another. Right now, September, we'll say September because we open August 30th. So I'm not yeah. going to say August, but September, early season, individual whitetails, if you've done your homework, can be unbelievable. Okay. The, the two biggest, the two, and we'll go oldest too because it's not always about the size of the rack, but the two biggest scoring whitetails I've killed in my life are September 1 and October 1. Interesting. And I knew, you know, these bucks were well patterned. The oldest deer that I've killed in my life were September 18th and was he november 10th so hey, that's my birthday man november 10th and that's why and, you killed that big one on you there. know and those are the two oldest deer i've ever uh, killed and then and then if it, you know i've looked at went back and just went through all my white tails even when i was a kid and i actually got I lost a bunch when i was teaching at a school one time and i got my house robbed so when i was 25 i lost mm, everything that's right i remember you. i lost me about everything that, yeah. all my antlers everything gone so, so i don't have man. any of those from my younger years which is yeah. a bummer because you know it's sentimental it's sentimental like, you like know, this he, buck behind me that's I mean, a super sentimental yeah deer. because it's, it's when you but, but you're young yeah, yeah that's exactly. what my first buck looked like yeah anyway yeah. all that to say i have a pretty even distribution of when i've killed these whitetails but you have to hunt them differently based on the month. It's kind of like bass fishing. There's biological needs that they have that they adhere to. So September right now, you're hunting a whitetail buck with a bow and arrow because that's the only thing open. And you've got to catch him between his bed and his destination food, water source, or scrape. Those are the, those are the three those things. Those are the three things. Those are, um, so it's social with the scrape. Because they're checking them like crazy. They're hitting the licking branches. They do it all summer long. They have to eat, and they got to get a drink. So are you making scrapes oh, for yeah. September? Oh, oh I, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and I I build most of my scrapes, my mock scrapes, back in February, March, and, and April. What do you when, when you're building these scrapes back in February, March, April, these, these times, like are you having to go back up there and kind of reapply? Once uh, a month. 
once a month. You're, you're once a month is kind of my rule. And the Buck Fever Synthetics that I've used forever and that I'm a big ambassador for, uh, I can go two months mm-hmm. because the deer take it over. I want to. It's I, it's social. It's a social hub, and. Without getting into too much detail, I have a lot of podcasts out there that if other guys want to really get into detail, and I'm only saying this because we don't have a ton of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But all that to say, that's what I'm addressing is a social hub where the animal beds and where he destines to get his food and water month by month by month. Which one do I need to buy? That entire system, you need a, you need the all of them. You, you do, okay. you do, and I can okay. go into detail because That's all it, I need to do. because it addresses the entire season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the licking branch is key, so you got to get the forehead gland. Mm-hmm. The pre-post urine is just a lower testosterone version of the rut urine. I use them both, and then they've got the red moon rut estrus and the red moon tarsal buck. So what I do when I build a scrape, I'll make this short and clear. I want a scrape. To come across to every whitetail in the woods that comes across it and finds it, I want it to process in their brain multiple deer are already there. So I use them all when I build one. And guys will say, do you keep using them all? Even the estrus tray during the summer? One time when I build it, I put it all in. Mm -hmm. Because I want different profiles of scent in that trap. And I call it a trap because a scrape is a trap for me in Idaho you can't bait. Yeah, exactly. Now, in Washington, where you can bait, I I have to put feed out and put a scrape out and mm-hmm. keep them separate because if I don't, I don't have a doe in the woods. Yeah. I lose them all to all the baiters. So I play that game. You know, I've been very open about how I play the game where you can feed. Yeah. But yeah. in Idaho, the can't scrapes, bait. you can't bait. So for me, every whitetail buck I've killed in Idaho has been in conjunction since I started building scrapes with a scrape. Everyone with a bow. Because gotcha. I have a scrape at every stand site. I wish I can come to this boot camp tomorrow, man. I the, need to know how to make these scrapes. Well, but, and, and I built. Um, yeah, that's the key is that boot camp is. I know. Guys yeah. got to be there for six or seven hours I, to get exactly, it all. Exactly. We have we have what a half hour left here probably. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it's 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 five to nine right yeah. now. So so I don't have you know I got twenty <laughs> minutes left. Yeah. That I yeah. can chat. Um, so let, let's go back. We'll 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 leave that because you we spent a lot of time on the scrapes on the last time yeah, you were on the yeah. show. So let's let's just talk let's about go guys back getting to out right now. Getting out right now. Right so now. September. Here's what, what, guy, here's what, what these guys, bucks need to. Here's what guys got to do right now. You need to identify where that buck is moving in the daylight to get to the destinations that I spoke of. He's either every day in his life he's going to get up and go eat. He's going to get up and go get a drink of water, and about every other day. And sometimes every day, or at least every third day, he's going to go check a social hub. Unless he's just a 100% hermit buck that doesn't give a crap about any other deer, and you biologically hardly ever see that. Gotcha. Because testosterone drives them mm-hmm. to go check on the status at the scrapes at the licking branch of other deer. So you got to get in between bedding. Food source, water source, or a scrape. And you got to get in the security cover if you really want to see the bigger deer where it's not so wide open and catch them in their travel routes to and from. Mm-hmm. Real simple. In the mornings, you better be high because he's coming uphill. In the evenings, he's probably moving down an elevation somewhere. That's a simple approach to it. I hunt. I come in on top in the mornings. In the evenings, I can come in lower and catch them coming down. Gotcha. So if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And you've already got these bucks kind of identified, and you're, you're, you've got them 
figured out in terms of what their habits are because of your your camera systems that you, yes. you've been monitoring. And, and I let them get old. Yeah, you let them get old. I don't know anybody that lets deer get as old as I will. No, I don't. I don't my, know anybody either, except for maybe uh, out on out on these game farms. Yeah, and I, but I'm, know, I'm doing this on public, public land. land. Yeah. yeah, and I roll the dice all the time. Yeah, I roll yeah. the dice on these bucks surviving, not just humans, lions and wolves and bears, everything else. Why, everything else. Why so, do yes. you think? Why do you think it is like other hunters don't don't get those bucks? Like like you you have a really good track record of identifying maybe a three or four year old buck and then watching him grow into a five or six year old. If he can get to three or four and why guys don't get him is, first of all, if a buck gets to three or four, he's pretty sharp uh-huh. in the mountains. Yeah. He's probably sharp as most farm-type bucks that are five or six, and it's because he's got predators on his ass all the time. Yeah. So he's really sharp. Um, why is it so hard to kill him? Because they get practice every day. You and I are just a – honest to God to them, we're not the toughest predator they have to avoid. Humans make all kinds of lazy mistakes. Yeah. Wolves and mountain lions don't make a lot of mistakes. So most people that are trying to kill an old whitetail have zero idea where he beds, have zero idea how he uses the wind and the thermals every day to stay alive, and have zero idea even on how to get in, set up on him without getting detected. Hmm. That's extremely. I don't. I don't know those. No, things. Most, like, and, and it's don't. nothing personal to anybody. No. That's why I do my boot camp. That's why I do the podcasts. I try to help people start to break it down from a surgical perspective and how to get in, get out, set up, intercept big white tails in the daylight. Yeah, it's amazing, man. You it's, have it's to crazy. do the research though. Mm-hmm. So guys will ask me, well, what do you do in Idaho because you can't put out feed? It's, those scrapes are key, and the scrapes are. A place where, like this big Idaho buck I sent you a picture of. Yeah, yeah. That I want to kill this year. And you don't want me to share that on Facebook? I would appreciate no. <laughs> <laughs> this this big Idaho buck that I would like to kill has been hunted hard by guys. And he got hunted hard last year by people, and I left him alone. Mm-hmm. And he was in the 160s last year, but I knew he would make a big, like a nice jump this year if I could, yeah. if he'd just make it. And now he's just he made it. He's the prime he's of his a life. Big old buck, man. Oh, I, he's big six by six, <laughs> just beautiful. Um, and that's just one of many. Yeah. That I keep track of. But my point is, I allowed him to get to the age to where he's extremely hard to kill for anybody. Now it's my favorite thing about big white tails is that game. Mm-hmm. Now it's you and I. Maybe ten other hunters know about him, but it's you and I, buddy. And here we go. And I'm gonna kill you with a bow and arrow. You think ten? You think there's there's nine other guys out there? I know, that know there is. Oh really? Oh yeah, there's cameras everywhere in the woods now. Yeah, that's true. And that's I true. and I and I scout all the hunters. I mean, I I, I know where everybody parks. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. And, and it's fine. You know, it's cool. You know, go good for you. Good for guys. It, it doesn't seem to have any real impact on on uh, your success. So. I've always said this to my boys, especially Tyson, because he's into whiteies and yeah. Jess with his bass. It's really easy. To, not easy. Finding them is one thing. Catching them or killing them, those top level animals, whether it's a ten or a eight pound bass or a six year old whitetail buck in the mountains, mm-hmm. that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. No mistakes. Can't make one mistake. And if you do, you got to move on him. You got to be willing to do the work too when you do, when he does figure you out. Yeah. You know who's willing to go do all that work and move tree stands and relocate and find him somewhere else if you need to. So true. It, it, it's so just, true. it's a ton of work. 
And but I, to me, it's not work. It's my life's passion. I know you're busy, man. You, you're always out there checking cams, going shed hunting. You did. You, you had a heck of a shed hunting season. Yeah, uh, you know, so, and it's just what we do. Yeah, it, it's our it's our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So for us, you know, Ty and I think found close to a hundred sheds this year, and and that's like a down year for us, but. We were busy with, you know, Ty's really busy with football. Yeah. A little yeah. shout out to Coeur d'Alene Vikings. They're going to be <laughs> tough this year. Oh, yeah. Ty's pretty pumped. You know, he plays, he? starts both ways, wide receiver and state safety, and he's put on 35 pounds. No kidding. And he's 6'3 now, or 6'2 oh, wow. and a half. 6'2 and a half? Oh, yeah. That's a big kid. He's, I saw you posted a picture when you guys went big. to Montana. <laughs> yeah. I was like, damn, he's a lot bigger than that him. That boy's been working. So <laughs> a little shout. He's, you know, and I, you know, it's typical dad stuff. I'm, I, my boys, I'm proud of them. Yeah. They, yeah. they, he works his freaking ass off. That's I've awesome. never seen a kid lift as hard as him and his buddy Trent. Mm-hmm. They are hardcore. They're going to be two of the strong, strong, reliable players on that team. And that team's a great program. But yeah. anyway, all that to say, yeah. we have been busy, yes. But I still find my time. I mean, I, I schedule it. My whitetail time means a ton to me. So to help these locals right now and guys that are really trying to just get on a deer, get in between that food Water bedding. And that's September. You, you got to so get in between it. Yes. Now let's roll into October. Okay. Octo- what, what changes for mountain whitetails? It gets better. And it's because the testosterone levels in the bucks start to increase and the scrapes start to pick up more daylight activity, especially if you have your scrapes in good cover. So good cover being timber, j- just timbered, cover. Uh, real thick. Yeah. Cover. How about brushy? Brushy's good too. Brushy's good. Because, okay. it'll, you know, our deer can get up, eat, lay down get water in a 50 yard circle all day if they position themselves correctly. Do you have an opinion <laughs> on uh, like when you're, when you're setting these scrapes and, and just deciding where your yeah. tree stand is going to go? Uh, we talk in, in the elk world a lot about, okay, they're going to bet on North face slope, right. South face slope. Right. Is any of that applicable to big a- mountain, mountain white? Absolutely. Those are, you know, the guys that are starting to see where I'm killing big deer, uh-huh. it's usually elk country. I'm high. My big mountain whitetails, they're just like a big bull. They they want to be cool. They're, they're like a man. Mm-hmm. They want to be cool in the hot summer. So my bucks go high right now in September because it's hotter than hell out. Yeah, yeah. And that's where they live. I think opening day is like 85 right now. Yeah, for and up here. the thermals send sent to them all day long of everything below them. So these big old mountain bucks, they position themselves above the doe family groups. Hmm. And then they move accordingly, and they move for water and feed, too, accordingly. Some of my best early season whitetail killing spots are in North Faces. And it's, okay. I'm, it's because I positioned myself within two or 300 yards of where he's bedding. Gotcha. And I'm catching him in the daylight, checking a scrape, because he can't say no to it. Mm-hmm. That scrape is there. He thinks there's 10 deer in it. I get my does starting to hit it. I'll get my does to kind of come up on the top end of their their uh, zone of where they live, and they'll check it too. And then once they start covering, and my does cover it, like cover my scrapes like crazy. So they're leaving their scent daily, and the bucks smell them moving around below them and leaving that scent, and the bucks come down and check them. And so it's it, the scrapes are a social thing for these. 100% it's, it's social. It's like they're che- checking Facebook or something. Right, and here's right? what most people don't hunt. They hunt food to water. Uh-huh. Food to water, food to water, food to water. I hunt food to water social. Okay, so you're adding a social element, which, which is, is huge. Yeah. Huge with whitetails. Huge. And the scrape is the social signpost. Yeah. The I, licking branch that hangs down is the social signpost. 
the dirt mm. and all that is is a little more geared for the rut. But I've already got does and bucks peeing in the dirt already on camera and on video. Mm-hmm. They're already starting to urinate in the dirt, yeah. so they're rocking already. This is great information, man. So, okay, we've rolled into October. October. Now, now. I'm on the scrapes in October. Now you're, I'm sitting you're, on really, them. You're sitting on oh, them in yeah. October. Because the bucks are transitioning from just food and water to hitting the social signposts more. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I also make mock rubs around my scrapes to make a buck think there's a big dude moved in on me, and i got to find him. How do you make the rubs? I just take my saw, my tree saw. Uh-huh. And you know what a rub looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just scratch the cambium off. Uh, four or five trees to give that big buck a visual when he rolls in. He rolls in and sees that scrape and he looks around and there's four rubs there spread out. And he just get and you watch him on video, it's unreal. His hair bristles up. <laughs> really? He starts looking around and he'll go rub over the top of those rubs. And I hit those That's rubs sweet. with my forehead scent. So the forehead gotcha. scent so here's okay. what I become I'm a whitetail. Mm-hmm. I become a whitetail buck to him that he never sees, but he smells all the time. That's fantastic. So he's hunting me. Yeah, that's okay. cool stuff. That's way cool. Okay, now let's roll into November. Okay, November, it's you got to get on the doe family groups. So my my setups are already positioned to where I have the doe family groups addressing the scrape. Mm-hmm. But for all guys that are and gals that are wanting to kill that November rut buck, you got to put the time in, set on a great set in a great area that holds does mm-hmm. and that does will travel by you daily. And again, Idaho, the scrape's incredible. So my does come through. I'm close to those does. I'm close to their bedding areas. Uh, my bucks are usually positioned in a safe area above. But here's what happens in Idaho and in the mountains is the bucks, they kind of stop traveling so much vertically every day in November, and they start traveling around these mountains horizontally. And the reason they do that is they're dropping down to the level of the majority of the doe family groups, and they're traveling horizontally to pick up on which doe is almost ready. Gotcha. And then when they find a doe that's close based on her scent and her pheromones, then they lock into her and they camp out on her for three or four or five days. So they're not they're not kind of partnering up like a like like have you, have you ever seen a mule deer during yeah. the rut where where they're they kind of they're like elk they'll they'll stay with the herd they stay with the herd. These whitetail just don't white, herd up like whitetail bucks you know? are nomads. Yeah, they're yeah. hermits. But so, they go around and so they, they'll only camp on that doe. They camp that's, out that's on coming in. Yes, and then they get yeah. to the next one and they know where that next doe family group is. Photo period determines it every year. A doe will come into heat within a day or two of the same day every year. Hmm. So those big bucks learn over the years that doe A is in heat this week, doe B is in heat this week, and that's where I got to be. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. You figure that out? Yeah, and what's really Nuts. cool is you can hunt the same buck a year later that you didn't kill on the same doe. Really? The next year. That's sweet. He'll show that's right back up on it. That's man. Oh, it's I wicked. It's crazy. It, it must have taken you years to figure all this out. Uh, I dove into the biology of whitetails when I was a teen. Mm-hmm. I read every book on the planet that was out there. Did just you? straight biology of deer. Yeah, and it just hmm. makes sense. So, okay. So we've talked about that. Like when we're – November's a big one. November – like like a lot of guys are going to be out elk hunting for, right. for September. Yeah. yeah, And October, they'll start looking at some deer maybe. But November, exactly. yeah. Yeah, November's kind of the Set on the does. Right? Set, Set on, on your does in good cover and where bucks feel safe. And you're you're in a tree stand generally. Any advice for somebody that, that might not be in a tree stand? Yeah, if you're if you're hunting with a rifle and you're walking, you get into a good area that holds does. The best advice I can give every whitetail hunter on the planet, sit your butt down and be patient. You'll kill way more big whitetails doing that 
than you'll average if you're just pushing brush. Yeah. Yeah. In these mountains. Because it's really hard to walk up on a big whitetail in these mountains because they have everything in their advantage. Heavy brush, heavy cover, steep ground. They hear you coming a mile away. Mm -hmm. You're making noise. You know, they see you visually. You get into a good spot where you know deer like to run during the daylight. You got does in there during November. Sit down. Yeah. You don't have to have a tree stand. I got good buddies that hunt rifle every year and kill a nice buck, and that's how they hunt them. Do you think, like, because um, I don't have a tree stand. Well, I have an old clunky one out there, but I'm not. I, it's beyond its life. And remember, I'm bow hunting. I'm bow Well, that's what I'm saying. So I, I, I got to get up. Like, I could, I could, um, I, I, I want to get out with my bow, but I don't have a tree stand. And so, so, so what about like a ground blind? I've killed them off the ground. Do I've you used a blind? No, I just build a natural one. You built, so like, just kind of build up some brush and sit in there. Tuck right and, back in it. I've killed two of my better bucks off the ground with a bow. And it and, was because I didn't have a good tree to get in where there were daylighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I made my – you make do with what you got. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm trying to do is, yeah. is like cover everything. Right. You got, You run those uh, – uh, what are those Lone Wolf stands? Custom lone Gear Wolf stands. Lone Wolf Custom Gear stands. Yeah, and they're and, incredible. You yeah. can throw a Lone Wolf Custom Gear – I'll have it at my boot camp tomorrow, and I show the guys – my stand and my sticks all together about 11 pounds. Yeah. My stand's like seven. Great, it's a great Now, you, like, a guy like you that wants to go for a walk, mm-hmm. you throw that on your back. You don't even know it's there. It's a backpack when you kill your deer. It transitions into a backpack. You can be in a tree in five minutes and set for half a day or a day. Okay, I'm going to get one of those. They're incredible. I need to get one of because those. Because it gets you up at a better line of sight in this thick cover. When you order one of those online, how long does it take to get one? Well, we are so slammed and COVID. I'm going to shoot straight with you right now. Andre DeQuisto, the owner, is literally right now driving to Michigan with a huge flatbed trailer because the trucking companies oh, they're are not slow. Going there. Yeah, it's crazy. That's so freaking it, nuts. But dude. no, you'll you'll get one. But you got to get on it now if you want one for November. Yeah, if you got to use one, you'll sell me. Uh, I don't get rid of my Lone Wolf custom gears. <laughs> They're too nice. And, and then I also okay. ha- I also have stands that I have preset. Yeah. But that custom gear stand is perfect for the mountain whitetail hunter that wants to grab his rifle, throw it on his back, super lightweight, hike in two or three miles, mm-hmm. get up in a tree and set for some hours. Yeah, it's see, incredible. I'm going to grab one of those, man. I think it'd be, it'd be useful for just a lot of different things. So I, I kill elk out of tree we're, stands. We're getting down to it, man. I want to. Uh, this has been. Uh, I, I and and it's. I, I mean, I could. I can keep going with you for another two hours. Right. But I know you're you're on a tight schedule. J- Jess is going to be pissed like, at me because I got to go get his basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and I I don't blame him, man. He's got a big. <laughs> He's day got tomorrow. a big day tomorrow, so, and I got yeah. And yeah. I wish I could stay and talk more, but. You know, my no, boy, I was glad. I, Jess I, is trying I, to win. I thought it was actually a long shot. I'm like, I'm going to see if Troy will come back on before season. Jess is and trying to win the ABA tomorrow. Yeah, I know. I, and he's got a good shot. Where's he at place-wise right now? He's one point in the lead for the season. For first place. And his good buddy, Anthony, who you had both those guys yep, on. Yep, Anthony's mother is getting married this weekend. Anthony had to go. I mean, you can't miss your mother's wedding. I don't know. If my mom was getting married on <laughs> final bass tournament, I'd be like, ah. So, so, so just to say, proud of my son and Anthony both, but Jess has got to do it on his own tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And, and hey, no matter where he ends up, the kid's had a great season. He has. And he's and leading it, the points honestly, right if, now. If somebody could pull it off, Jess can pull it off, man. He's, he's 19 years old. I've never seen old. somebody so passionate about bass fishing. 19 years old, and right now they're in first. I don't want to jinx him, but I'm wishing him the best. And yeah, I know he'll get too. it. He did his work. 
Yeah. He has been doing his homework. He's got some fish found. Now it's just a matter of the fish cooperating. Yep. He's ready to go. Yep. He's ready to go. Yep. <laughs> well, Troy, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to be watching you this season, and we might have to do like a, a postseason, you know, just a, a, a wrap up of how your season unfolded, like, uh, you know, around Christmas or something. Yeah. That'd be or cool. And, and real quick, a shout out to all the guys out there that are listening, guys and gals. If you want to watch some of our hunts, Whitetail Addictions TV at Lone Wolf Custom Gear YouTube page. You can literally watch my boy and I kill some mountain bucks there. And we hunt Washington, we hunt Idaho, and sometimes and, Montana. Don't sometimes, you? yeah. If I find a good buck in Montana, I'll go hunt it. Mm-hmm. I'll put it in. Yeah. But we're going to Ohio this year, so oh, we do the really? Midwest too. So we jump okay. all over. And just remember when you're watching people. When I'm in Washington, yes, you do deal with the baiting. It's part of it. Yeah. Idaho, you got to play the game. And I've always been straight with people on that. If you don't play the game, you lose every doe. Instead of whining about it, yeah. adjust to it. You adjust. Yep, you adjust right. and you play the game in Idaho. You'll you'll see my Idaho footage. These big bucks are usually rolling right through a scrape. Or they're just coming downwind of a scrape. And you'll Fascinating. And, and they'll come in scent checking it and we'll shoot them. That's sweet. That's so, pretty cool stuff. So next week at this time, you're going to be on, on a deer stand. I'm right? going to be on a deer stand on a big buck that I know really well Sunday morning. I'll, sweet. Sunday morning is the 30th, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. I will be after that buck Sunday, the one I sent you a picture of. All right. Well, uh, if I am not leaving until the 6th, so if you need some help packing anything out, <laughs> just let me know. I, you know I got you can, two, I, I got you two big blindfold boys. me. I'll, I'll, you don't have to give me your spot. I got two big boys <laughs> that kind of take care of that. So That's nice. very true. All right, man. Thanks for coming on, buddy. You bet, I Jim. appreciate it. it great time. Bye-bye. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. We sure appreciate your support. This is Jim Huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at Instagram at The Western Huntsman and on Facebook at The Western Huntsman. And you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com. Thanks again. We'll see you guys next time. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.